Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. Tracking the number of homeless students in California has always been difficult, but things got much harder during the pandemic. Distance learning meant school staff couldn't rely on in-person interactions to identify homeless students. Now that instruction is back in person, schools have used pandemic funding to step up efforts to count and support homeless students. And they're finding large numbers of students in precarious housing situations. I found it hard to focus. I missed a lot of school due to mm. situation. I also had like a hard time with my friends because I couldn't tell them a lot of stuff that we were going through. How are schools helping homeless students? And with pandemic funding set to expire, how can they keep doing so? Here is this week's Education Beat with host Zadie Stabley. Last year was a difficult one for Ana Frankis' family. In January, I lost my father. In March, they detected cancer. In May, we left the house. In January, Ana says, her father died. In March, she was diagnosed with cancer. In May, the family lost their home. Here's how it happened. Ana's husband, Oscar, had injured his back the year before, working as a carpenter. With Oscar unable to work, the family lost their only source of income. So they applied for a pandemic program to help them pay the rent. But eventually, last May, they were evicted, and they had just three days to leave their apartment. Ana and Oscar's children were two, 10, and 12 years old. We were desperate, Ana says. We had nowhere to go. She went to shelters, to different agencies, but eventually, where Ana got help was the school district. Someone who worked at her daughter's school told her to call. The woman told Ana, the school has resources, we can help. So Ana called, and the school helped. When we've needed food, she says, they helped. When we needed diapers, they were here. When we didn't have a place to sleep, they gave us vouchers for a hotel. I'm thankful to the district, Ana says, because they were the only ones that helped us. This is Education Beat getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, how schools are finding and helping homeless students. Anna's family is one of thousands identified as homeless this school year in Monterey County, which has the highest rate of homeless students in the state, 13.4%. Across the state, the number of homeless students counted by school districts has increased, and many school district liaisons are using pandemic money from the American Rescue Plan to help support these families. My colleagues, Betty Marquez-Rosales, Emma Gallegos, and Danny J. Willis, reported and wrote about this for EdSource. I asked Betty to speak with me for this episode. Hi, Betty. Hey, Sadie. So, Betty, tell me, how did you first uh, get interested in this story? 
This story really came from the data journalist on our team, Danny. He looked through some data on students experiencing homelessness and realized that there were some changes that had happened over the last few years, especially through the pandemic. And we figured we the best thing to do would be to go and talk to many different counties and districts to understand what was really happening um, with this population of students. Okay, so how much has the count of homelessness increased among California school families? So enrollment overall has decreased. It, it decreased last year, but the number of students experiencing homelessness rose by 9% statewide. And this looks different in different pockets of the state, right? But overall, it rose by 9%. Okay, and there are big differences between you know counties and between districts. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so we, we found that certain parts of the state, um, some examples are along the coast, uh, Monterey County, San Luis Obispo County, higher up north around the Humboldt area, and also inland, Sierra County um, and down in San Bernardino County, they had large increases over the last few years. And then there were some decreases as well. Some examples are Fresno County overall, there were some decreases. Uh, Modoc County up in Northern California, um, north of the Bay Area, Napa, Sonoma counties. So it, it really depends on what region of the state we're referring to. And, and why? Do we know why it's gone up? There's a few different reasons. And what a lot of um, school staff, particularly liaisons, those who work directly with this population of students, what they often say in regards to increases is that they've had the, the ability to just identify more students, um, which was really difficult during the pandemic, especially the early years of the pandemic, because many of these identification efforts rely on face-to-face -face interactions, which was impossible during some portions of the last few years. And so there were decreases that a lot of districts saw between 2020, 2021, and over the last year, they've been increasing. And a large part of it has to do with students being back in schools. Um, it also has to do with, you know, this past school year was the first year where all districts needed to um, share a form with families at the beginning of the school year. And this form is an identification form. It asks families to say, hey, are you dealing with homelessness? These are some of the examples of your living environment that would be categorized as you being eligible to receive resources due to your housing situation. And so that has also led to some increases. And what so many advocates and experts say around this space, it's that it's not as simple as, you know, we see homelessness rising, then that means that there are more homeless students. It could also mean that they're just now being identified, that they have been there, but they weren't counted before. Betty, I know that the way schools define homelessness for students doesn't just mean living on the street or in a shelter. Can you explain what kinds of living situations can put a student in the homeless category? So the way that schools define homelessness um, when it comes down to their students, it includes things like whether they're staying in a shelter. This could be a family shelter. It could be a domestic violence shelter. It includes if they're living in a vehicle, um, in a park, in a campground, an abandoned building, 
also includes students who are temporarily living in a motel or a hotel um, due to loss of housing, due to economic crisis. And most importantly, I think, there's this distinction in including double-dub students. And these are students whose families live with another family, not because they've chosen to do this, but because they cannot afford to have a place of their own. And in places like Monterey County and other counties across the state, this could look like a family living in a garage, a family living in maybe a makeshift add-on to like the side of a house. It could mean several families living in a single family home. There's a variety of ways, but, and that is the most common form of housing for homeless students in the state of California. So you found that Monterey County is the county with the highest increase in the count of homeless students. Can you share more about that? Right. So Monterey County does have the highest rate of students experiencing homelessness um, in the entire state. And, And this has been a problem in Monterey County for quite some time. There's not enough housing for so many people. Living doubled up is quite common. One district in particular really stood out. Um, Santa Rita Union Elementary. This is in Salinas in Monterey County. Between 2014 and 2020, the rate of students experiencing homelessness, it didn't rise beyond 1.53%. That was about 55 students. Then this year, this current school year, it rose to 22.24%. That's 718 students. You know, I, I drove down there and I spoke with the staff in this district, and they've been changing a lot of their identification efforts. They've been making more direct phone calls to families. They hired new liaisons that were raised in Salinas that truly understand what it's like to live there, that understand, you know, if somebody says they live in X place, that might mean that they need additional resources. And you share in the story that Monterey liaisons noted troubling new housing trends. Keep in mind, it it wasn't just one liaison in one part of Monterey County. I heard this from different liaisons in in three different parts of the county that I visited. And so some of these trends really, it it looks like um, higher rents that are pushing um, some people into lower priced housing, which then pushes those who used to live in those lower priced housing into crisis, essentially, and potentially into homelessness. Um, There are some instances that they shared where because of, you know, in this past year, there was a lot of rain and that delayed the the harvest season. And so there's a lot of migrant farm workers who didn't come into Monterey County until later in the year than they typically might have. And by the time that they arrived, the housing was taken um, by other farm workers, by just other people who needed housing. Um, And this is happening more and more due to inflation, due to increased rent prices, and just overall low numbers of availability in in terms of places to rent. And so tell me about the Frankis family. Tell me how you met them. So I visited three schools in Monterey County. And in the last visit, it was in uh, Monterey Peninsula Unified District. And as I was talking to the homeless liaison there, um, Ana Frankis walked in with her eldest daughter and her youngest son, and um, Carlos Diaz, the liaison, had invited her. 
because she had been one of the families that he had helped this last school year. The school district was able to provide them with hotel vouchers. They were able to use these to um, rent a room in a local Motel 6 so that they could stay in those first days, first weeks that they were evicted, that they were homeless, until they were able to gather enough funds to buy a $900 old RV with bad plumbing. It leaked, which is particularly bad, during a time where the weather was extremely severe in California. Historically severe, right? And once they were able to get at least some form of roof over their heads, which was the RV for them, the challenges became finding a place to park at night where they wouldn't be woken up by a knock on the door because a cop was telling them to move. La policía nos llegaba a horas de la noche. Ana says the police would come at 11 or 12 at night and tell them to move. They couldn't drive the RV with the kids sleeping in it, so they would have to wake them up and move them to a different car. Then they would both drive around trying to find a new parking place. You don't cry because your children are there, Ana says. But inside, you're destroyed. Inside, you feel like you're dying. They would be woken up constantly because they were sleeping in places where there were a lot of distractions. And then the kids would be really tired. The two oldest daughters who attended school, they would be really tired the next day. For the girls, the challenges really included not being able to focus on class because they weren't sleeping well. This is Anna's oldest daughter, Chanel, who's 13. I found it hard to focus, yeah. especially on studying and focusing. I missed a lot of school due to mm. situation. Um, I also had like a hard time with my friends because I couldn't tell them a lot of stuff that we were going through. Yeah because I actually lost probably a few friends due to my situation. And I guess it, was, it really hit me hard, and me and my sister uh, found it really hard to focus and everything. So, Betty, tell me a little bit about the trust issue. So it seems really crucial for school districts to build trust with families. And it, I imagine, you know, some families might feel a little wary about sharing with authorities that they're homeless. It, trust came up in every single conversation that I had during my visit to Monterey County. It came up in Salinas. It came up in Greenfield, down in southern Monterey County. It came up in Seaside, where Ana Frankis and her family live. One of the biggest challenges that a lot of liaisons face with knowing which students are experiencing homelessness is that, for one, some families are afraid that their children might be taken away from them. There is this great fear. That was Anna's fear, actually. She mentioned that when she learned that her eldest daughter had told her teacher about their situation in terms of they were about to be evicted, Anna's initial response was she was afraid that her kids would be taken away from her. That wasn't the case. But one of the main ways that 
these liaisons go about developing that trust and making sure that they really gain that trust is just constant communication with these parents, letting them know they're there, um, whether it's with food resources. Maybe sometimes it is hotel vouchers, right? But it might also just be, it might be clothing donations. It might be access to a washer and dryer on site, which Greenfield Unified in Southern Monterey County has made available because they know that some families don't have easy access to laundry and that that's necessary. And these other types of resources are what really help them start building those connections little by little. And then families start trusting them more. Then there's also a factor that really comes into play where some of the liaisons that these school districts have hired, they were raised in those areas. So they have a deep understanding of the communities that they're serving. So, you know, you shared that this school district was able to give this family vouchers to be able to stay in a hotel for a while. Is this a good example of kind of what school districts are using the new funds from the American Rescue Plan for? That's a great example of how these funds are being used. And liaisons from across the state have hailed these vouchers, essentially, and and this funding as a path toward helping families in a way that hasn't always been possible. Um, This American Rescue Plan funding and the hotel vouchers in particular have helped even increase that trust that we were talking about because You know, if if a family calls a liaison and says, hey, we're about to be evicted or this is going on, we're we're losing our housing or we haven't had stable housing for a long time. And the school is able to immediately say, hey, let's get you into this hotel for the next three days, for the next five days. And we're going to figure out a game plan from there. That's an immediate trust that can be formed because the schools are immediately able to support in a way that they haven't been able to in the past. What are some of the other ways that you know, they're using the funds that they may not have been able to in the past. One of the other ways is providing the resources like gift cards. For example, in Greenfield Unified, um, they've been looking into providing gift cards for um, a local shoe store because they receive donations. You know, this district receives donations um, of shoes, of clothes, but there's not often a great variety of sizing. And so... Being able to offer gift cards really helps the students make sure that they're getting the right sizing and be able to have that agency over choosing, right? Something that is often taken away when they don't have the resources to even cover their basic needs. I understand schools have to spend the funds by January 2025. What will happen when the funds end? A lot of liaisons and another school staff, they're, they're worried that so many of the resources that they have been able to offer, for example, to Ana Frankie's family, that's not going to be an option anymore. They won't be able to house families right away um, in an emergency. They won't be able to offer a gift card because that won't, likely won't be allowable with other forms of funding. Unfortunately, there's no backup plan right now. There are some liaisons across the state who are trying to work together to try convincing legislators to continue at least a version of this funding, something that dedicated funding for this population of students who desperately needs it and who it's it's been clear the last few years that they truly need this funding. 
it's led to higher numbers of identified homeless students. And that means that more of them are getting connected to resources that they absolutely need. Tell me about how the Frankis family is doing now, Betty. Yeah, Anna and her family, they have been in Section 8 housing for the past two months. That's the first time they've been in stable housing for a very long time. They were in their RV before that for nine months approximately. And so over these last two months, they've been getting used to their new apartment. They have been furnishing it thanks to a program that has connected them with donated um, home items like sofas, bed frames for the kids, mattresses, dinnerware, utensils, that sort of thing. The girls, they have a lot more stability and a place to, to sleep through the night, which they hadn't had in such a long time. Um, Oscar, uh, Anna's husband, he was hired by the school district. He works a maintenance job now and he's incredibly happy. And they don't have their RV anymore. They donated it to another family in need um, and who's now looking for their own stable housing. Si había alguien que nosotros sabemos pasaron están pasando la misma necesidad que nosotros estábamos pasando en ese momento. Ana says we knew someone going through the same difficulties that we did. At least we know they will have a place to live, to sleep, to cook, to bathe and use the toilet. Porque es muy difícil, muy difícil. It's very hard, she says, to always be looking for public restrooms, to find a place to wash your clothes. Everything is very, very difficult. A lot of times, she says, when you're in this situation, you don't know how to help other people. And there are many families in the street. Many families with little children. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, Getting to the Heart of California Schools, a production of EdSource. You can find Betty, Emma, and Danny's story at edsource.org and a map showing increases and decreases in homeless student counts statewide. That was created by Sunny Shiet. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Special thanks to our guests, Ana Frankis and Betty Marquez Rosales. Our CEO is Ann Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the California Wellness Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join us next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. <laughs>